Hello, you're listening to No Such Word Is Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice, as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today, I get to sit down and talk to the elopement expert, photographer and author, Sam Starnes. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't wait to pick your brain. So for anyone who isn't familiar with you or your work, could you give yourself a brief introduction? Yeah, so I photograph adventure elopements and a lot of people ask me like, what the heck is that? Uh, Because they know of the word elopement, maybe they've heard it a long time ago or, you know, it's not really a common, common vernacular for them. So they're like, adventure elopements, what? Uh, and essentially it's for couples who don't want that big wedding and they also don't want just like a, a quick, boring, lacking intention courthouse wedding with, you know, uh, a judge or magistrate or whatnot. So they do, a, they create a day that is representative of them and their partnership and what they love to do. So it can be a picnic in the forest to landing on a glacier in Alaska via helicopter, <laughs> anything in between. That sounds incredible. And honestly, some of the shots that you have on your website or on your socials literally take my breath away. But right now you are based in the Pacific Northwest, which is arguably the perfect setting to have adventures. Was the scenery around there what first got you interested in photography? Where did your passion for photography come from? So my passion for photography, it kind of went through multiple transformations. The first The first time I remember going, man, that's really cool, is uh, I rode horses competitively for a Mm. long time, uh, and it was 3D eventing, so show jumping, cross-country, dressage, and I was on the cross-country course, and I remember this photo that my dad took because he would stand out there with his Minolta camera on course and take photos of me jumping. And I loved the movement of the horses and the beautiful lines that the horses created Mm. going over these jumps. And I have this photo of me and my horse jumping this gigantic log. And I just thought the movement is so beautiful and being able to capture that and get as close to the feeling of witnessing that in real time as possible. And it transformed from there because I, yeah, I grew up in a beautiful place and there, there are just so many things that you want to share and being able to be more skilled in photography allows you to capture as much of like the vibe of the moment uh, as possible. Yeah. And after you first kind of got passionate about photography, at what point did you decide I'm going to pick up a camera professionally? So I have been photographing mostly weddings. I was part-time around 2013, 2014. I really just love being able to capture a lot of beautiful aesthetic things, uh, things that people, that, that people create that actually ends up showing their personality a lot more than, a lot more than you would think. And so weddings, I was just kind of naturally drawn to weddings, but I also did did some other things like senior portraits um, for high school seniors and whatnot. And 
I thought, you know, let's do this part time. I know I have, you know, a solid skill and I was, you know, I had a full time job for a long, long time. I've done a ton of different things. Um, park ranger, uh, whale watching naturalist, all the things. Uh, I was even, um, I was a paralegal in a law firm for a while. And then I finally decided to go full-time professional um, just after my partner and I got married. And I realized I like, I want to do this full-time. And there was a work situation that had sort of like kind of forced me into going full-time. Mm. So I really, I was really just sort of like, I got a push uh, and I felt inspired. And so I started weddings full-time, but it was only like two months into this full-time wedding photography endeavor that I had someone come to me and essentially we discovered that she wanted to elope and I talked to her about my wedding experience and how like I wish I would have eloped and I realized there are other people like me out there that are like I've never really dreamed of my wedding mm. or like I just the idea of standing up in front of people makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> saying these intimate vows to each other I would rather do something else and there wasn't really a ton of people at the time doing that. And I certainly didn't know about anybody who was like empowering others to, to do what they want, take the reins of their own wedding day. So long, like it was a long road to get there, but we're, we're here now. <laughs> yeah, I think there's so much value in what you said though. You know, you've had several different kind of jobs or, or careers, you know, and I love talking to women who are passionate about lots of different things, because I think it's a really empowering message for women of all ages out there to say, hey, you don't just have to niche down and be passionate about one thing. Like women are allowed to have multiple talents. And most women that I know of do. You know, most mm -hmm. women that I know of have like four or five things that they're really great at. But because yeah. we're told so often, oh, they're hobbies, quote unquote hobbies, or, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you should focus on this thing, or you should focus on being a mom, or you should focus on being a wife, or you should just focus on this one career that's going to make you the most money. Women, I think, get in their own way sometimes because they've been told by, and I'm going on my soapbox here, I do apologize. They're being hey, told. I'm here. <laughs> they're being told <laughs> by society and so many people, you know, oh, you're only allowed to do this one thing. Like, what if women were told, hey, go off and do everything that you're passionate about? Yeah, I... So I, you are preaching to the choir because <laughs> I, I feel that way so strongly. And, um, I, so photography is a big thing for me, but like, I'd love to get into at some point, like talking about why, because I feel like that you don't have to niche down as long as you know your why, yes. like, why do you want to do certain things? Um, and like, I also, I grew up with a, uh, I think it, famous TikTok person says it like I grew up with the how hard could it be gene mm. and and so like I I want to do and experience all these different things because they all seem so cool so like yeah. photography outdoors I ride a motorcycle so I have a Harley Road King um I just changed the battery on it the other day like because I mean I don't want to bag on men but like I think if a man can do it how hard could it be? yeah <laughs> I just, I, you just go and do it because there are so many people that you can empower while you're doing the dang thing as well. And I just think that's super cool. Absolutely. Different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think so much of my outlook on that comes from being raised by a single mom. So I literally watched my mom do everything 
because mm-hmm. she literally had no other choice. And I watched myself do it actually after like living with my husband. Like I don't take the bins out because I'm like that. That's the that's a man's job. Like I'm not gonna. <laughs> but can I take the bins out? Absolutely. Do I want mm-hmm. to? On the other hand, if I can get away with it, no. Um, right. But yeah, I love that you you went, you know, your naturalist route with the whales and, you know, the whale watching boat, which I, I assume was a massive passion of yours. I love it. I because because I grew up on a ranch. I grew up with animals. I grew up knowing wildlife. I grew up just learning through experience. There was no formal training. And then with the the marine ecology, it was a little bit more training, obviously, but just the world is so fascinating. And I yeah. want to learn about as much of it as possible. I I have a minor in geological sciences, so I'll nerd out about the coastal formations as well. So there's just so much <laughs> to learn. Yeah. So what is your why with regards to photography and, en- and elopements? Yeah. So it goes along with like you can do anything you want to do. Uh, and everyone can get down to everyone, so spoiler alert, everyone sort of has the same why. And it's to inspire and make other people feel special and heard and Mm. seen. And how I do it is through elopements and telling people like, hey, eloping takes courage and it takes self-awareness because you're standing up to society. You're standing up to family and friends who are like, maybe pressuring you to do certain things because that's how they always have seen weddings happen. And, you know, standing up takes courage and then also self-awareness of like, hey, is this wedding really me? Mm. Is this really what me and my partner love? And so it, it takes a lot of that to elope. And it's interesting because I started ruminating on this of like why have that courage and that self-awareness and that independence and that confidence on your elopement day and like planning your elopement and then just have it stop like why like why not just take all of that that you have like learned and developed and use that to transform the rest of your life do the things you're interested in do the things you're scared of do the things that you know, if you're a woman or a feminine presenting person that people say aren't for you, whether it's riding a motorcycle or, you know, something else. So um, I actually have, uh, my book is called Elope Your Life because taking that, all of that amazing transformation that you used and developed for your wedding, man, that's such a waste to not use it for other aspects of your life. Yeah, it's definitely a mentality thing. And you mentioned that you wish you had eloped. Why mm-hmm. is that? Oh man, how much time we've got. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, I had never really dreamed of my wedding growing up until I met my partner and I was like, oh, okay. So I have to do, I have to get on Pinterest and I have to do the thing. And it's very much the hyper-focus, right? And I, you know, I, I, there's a double-edged sword to being multi-passionate and that's, you tend to love a lot of different things. So I could see my wedding happening a lot of different ways, Mm. you know, a lot of different themes, a lot of different venues, all that stuff. And, but 
the thing I kept coming back to and the common theme throughout all of this was the guestless stress, the uh, the stress about trying to please other people. And that's insidious. So like you start off with one or two things of like, hey, I really want to make my guests happy. So I want to make sure we have chicken, fish and a red meat. Mm-hmm. But then it can very it can very quickly snowball into, well, I need to have these perfect bathrooms uh brought in like portable bathrooms brought in because they can't just be they can't just like go here to the bathroom they have to like be beautiful and ornate and you have to have the best for everybody and it's weddings so my partner and my husband says weddings are like funerals they're for everybody else else except like the guest of honor uh and so that's that's what it down to and it came down to me trying to please everybody within 24 hours of my engagement my mother said hey I, you don't have to invite so-and-so and so-and-so, but if they ask, I need you to invite them. Oh so I goodness. already had, I already had guest list pressure yeah. within 24 hours of my engagement and that I'm not alone in that. And so being able to elope, we love the outdoors and getting away from all that pressure. We can be more intentional about creating a day that is representative of ourselves and, and not be distracted by trying to please other people because I can guarantee you you are trying to please other people and you might not even realize it during your wedding planning because it's so insidious yeah and I think that's that's so so true you know we got married last year and I love the idea of you have to do your wedding for you it is your wedding Uh and and we were very much told that by the people closest to us you know and I was very loud about it I was very (laughs) loud about I don't care if other people don't like our choices this is our wedding and it's going to be done our way and you can like it or lump it yeah that still being said I live in a different country from my entire family so I was very much like everyone's invited I'm having a whole day a big party with everyone I love in the one room and Mm-hmm. I did I spent my wedding day around a hundred people that mean the most to me in the world and I love that and I never would have mm-hmm. had it any other way that being said like the two weeks before my wedding I was like if I was not 110% sure that I wanted the big traditional wedding right. oh my god don't do it because the weight of other people's opinions the constant back and forth people not RSVPing people asking you questions it was horrific like there were a few people that were like really close friends of mine who are wedding professionals who literally just did everything to the everything that I asked them to do they were like yeah tick box I'll have chicken I'll have fish this one's vegetarian we'll see you there on the date done you know but it's yeah other people are what make your wedding stressful it's not you two it's (laughs) 100%. It's, it's other people. And like, I, and I'm a big proponent. So even though I just photographed elopements and intimate adventure weddings, like maximum of 15 guests, I am a big proponent of doing what you want. So yeah. make no mistake. Like if you want to have a big party with everybody, do it. I will be there to, to help fill up the dance floor. If that is what you truly want, I will be there. Cause I love me some dancing at a party. <laughs> um, but there are so many people who have thought, you know, maybe it like eloping, right? What do you think? And they say it sort of jokingly, but if it comes up more than once, maybe it's something you might actually consider as a valid alternative. Yeah. And I know it's going to be tough, but 
maybe really consider it and see the opportunities and the options out there for that. I think we're seeing it more and more often these days. You know, I don't know if whether the the pandemic is all kind of pushed a lot of people into that decision, but I I see it so much now on social media or people doing, you know, elopements either far away from home or within mm-hmm. their own country or their own state or their own province. You know, they're they're just like, hey, we're not going to do the big traditional ceremony, but we're going to take this opportunity to to go somewhere just the two of us and have it be super intimate and romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, the pandemic, I didn't really see a big effect on like bookings for the pandemic, oddly enough. And I've sort of figured out why. And it's 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 fascinating. I love statistics. I love data. I love demographics. I love the marketing aspect and everything of of my business. So what I found during the pandemic is there were two types of people who were eloping. And number one were the couples who were like, yeah, <laughs> the pandemic. Yes, this is the perfect excuse for us to do what yeah. we truly have always <laughs> no wanted to do. No one's going to complain. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the scapegoat. And I was yeah. like, yes, babe, use the, use the pandemic Lovato for, the, for your excuse. Um, but then I actually had a lot of people who inquired who I would categorize as the, the, the second group. And those were what I call plan B elopers. And those people who were like wanting to get married, they didn't, they didn't care nearly as much as group A of like making it intentional, making it, um, making it an experience. They, they really sort of wanted to put relatively minimum effort in. And um, I am priced at such a way that I had a lot of plan B elopers inquire, but they would never get on a consult with me because of, they weren't wanting the whole experience that I provide because I'm not just... I'm not just like, hey, let's book and then I'll help you with a timeline a couple months out and then I'll see you on the day. Like we do getting to know you calls. You have an elopement planning portal that has a ton of resources, including locations and places to stay and customized vendor recommendations. And I'm big on leave no trace. So I educate all my couples on leave no trace and and all all this stuff. So we, this is very much creating an experience and building a relationship between the couple and myself. So plan B elopers weren't really, weren't really about that. Um, but I, I was very fortunate that I'm, I'm in a business that the pandemic didn't really affect me too terribly much in the negative. We had a few reschedules, but aside from that, it was pretty solid. That's great. And when you did your first elopement shoot with a couple, were you nervous? You know, I don't remember ever being nervous. I was it was around here. So it was a local couple because they originally had planned to do a wedding. And I live near a road that is it's called the North Umqua Highway. And it is a highway full of beautiful waterfall hikes. And we did it out there with about half a dozen guests. And I was just so excited for them to to do something that really resonated with them. You could tell the bride in particular was so excited to plan this adventure intimate wedding as opposed to the the big wedding that she had originally planned. It was like pulling teeth to like even get information out of her. But then as soon as we switched gears, she's like, this is going to be so cool. We're going to do this. And so I was just really excited on her behalf and being able to capture a couple in the grandeur of nature. I was just so creatively fulfilled as well. So that's like a big part. 
being able to be creatively fulfilled, your images are going to be that much better when your photographer is just stoked to have you in a particular yeah. backdrop. Yeah, I think that's so worth saying as well, especially I think for anyone that gets into a creative line of work, you know, yes, it's still a job and, you know, we still have to run our businesses and file our taxes and all of that annoying right. stuff. But, you know, when you really get someone with you, you know, your wedding day, whether you're eloping or going the traditional route, it's, it's one of the most important days and moments of your life, you know, so you want to have someone there beside you capturing it, who's equally as passionate about that as you are. What yeah. has been one of your favorite locations that you have shot an adventure elopement in so far? Or oh, do you have man. like a top three? I do. I'm not a favorites person, but I do have some tops. I do have like a, a top grouping. Um, I love photographing in Alaska. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, the glaciers, the, the glacial carved valleys, just so much geological epicness up there. I, I'm just absolutely in love with doing that. Um, some of those elopements have included helicoptering to a glacier, dog sledding, uh, pack rafting in an iceberg lagoon, uh, like among icebergs. And I had my drone up. It was absolutely That's amazing. So cool. um, oh man, I had a couple this past October that while the backdrop was like beautiful, it wasn't as like ruggedly epic, um, they eloped in the Azores of Portugal. And uh, what was really, really special about that was uh, the bride's mom grew up there and lived there for most of her life. And she passed away sadly from ALS. Oh, no. And so we flew on their two day elopement exper experience. We did one island on one day and the second island we went and they said their vows in front of the waterfalls where her mom would have walked to get water. And we wow. found her mom's ruined, like house in ruins. Oh. Um, so that was really memorable. Um, yeah, I, there's there's so, so many. I The ones that are memorable are the ones that, the couples that do activities and go to places that are special to them. Uh, and so I have one that I'm, I have a couple eloping in Scotland next year. I'm headed to Switzerland uh, this May as well. And I will probably be spending uh, my birthday in October uh, and Samhain in Scotland as well, because. <laughs> uh, Amazing. So, where, in, yeah. where in Scotland are they, are they eloping? Oh my gosh, we haven't decided yet, but I've sent them a couple of, uh, I have a huge location list of Scotland um, because I've been there a couple of times. I rode, I horse trekked from um, uh, Inchnadamp to like, mm, where did we go? Like over close to pretty much directly pretty much directly across so like tame maybe um and we just trekked across I bet that and I was, was like wet. marking down it was wet it was very, <laughs> it was very wet uh, we did it in mid to late may last year oh. and it was, I mean, it was a little bit wet sometimes in scotland you can get some real like i remember sitting all of my exams for school always in may you're always inside studying and that's when it was sunny so yeah May can yes. sometimes be really nice uh I might be biased but I do think Scotland is one of the most beautiful places for photography in general I agree uh if I could find a way to move there I 1000 percent would <laughs> I mean the Pacific Northwest beautiful. Scotland like they're both stunning like come on so I so I learned that um 
because we I was over on the Isle of Arran and we were going to the Macrimore Standing Stones and we were talking to the woman who owns the property and she's like yeah a lot of people go to like I have a lot of family and friends who live in Oregon and the west coast Pacific Northwest because it's it reminds them of home mm -hmm. and so I when I was over there I kind of felt at home with the pines and everything yeah. and um, and then I came back here and some days when I'm feeling a little bit Scotland sick uh I'll just pretend that I'm driving through Scotland <laughs> and it's like a rainy dreary just put, day just put on some like bagpipes on the radio or something like that <laughs> you know what I I love Celtic music anyway so mm -hmm. I have like a ton of playlists that I just uh I just play at like any sort of like Kaylee music yeah. any pub music all of that yeah. I just played it I play it regardless <laughs> I know there's a reason I always set all of my books in Scotland like I just I just yeah. adore I used to hate Scotland like I, I grew up there until I was I lived there till I was 21 uh this I'm talking about Scotland now so my accent's gonna gonna start coming I out I love it um, I'm here for it like as soon as you mentioned the Isle of Arran, I was like, oh, we used to go there on day trips in the summer holidays oh. and stuff. So many memories on, uh. on Arran. Um, oh. Yeah, but Scotland, it's just, it's just full of so much. Like I used to despise it. I could not wait to get out of it. But as soon as I moved away, I started to realize how much my country has. So yeah. now I just tell everyone, I'm like, go to Scotland. <laughs> go to Scotland. Yeah. There's so there's the the um the I think it's a strike slip fault. This is geology nerd coming out, but um like there is the the fault that goes through Aaron mm -hmm. and then up the Great Glen, yeah. and so that's why you have like the mountainous stuff in the north, and yeah. it really is like Oregon where I live is called the Iceland of the United States because we have. Mm high deserts and we have like crater lake national park and we have the coast and we have a little bit of the redwoods and a ton of different stuff so it makes for like a really like very varied backdrop if couples do multiple days we can do like desert one day and a coast the next day which is really cool oh yeah definitely and I think we chose I think my husband if he if I had allowed him to elope he would have he's very shy <laughs> he was terrified on our wedding day because he hates standing up in front of people bless him he married yeah. maybe the biggest show off in the world who was like finally a day <laughs> all about me um so we kind of compromised and did an after wedding shoot in the Kurang in the Isle of Skye um so and it was it was amazing it was stunning we got the backdrop like I swear if I could do an anniversary shoot every year in our wedding outfits I would <laughs> I do that. I, I always tell my couples because I'm really fortunate to have my couples. I, I'm truly friends with like a vast majority wow. of my couples. And so it's, it's, especially after we have their elopement day, we get to catch up on multiple other phone calls to reveal their gallery and, and edit their yeah. album. And um, I always tell my couples, if you want, if you're in a place where I am, that's really cool. And you want to do like an anniversary shoot or something. Just like hit me up. We'll hang out. We'll do a shoot for a couple hours and then we'll just go grab a drink. I love that. Uh, and so my couples are kind of like, they have a little bit of insider, like a little inside uh, inside bonus to uh, a free shoot if we ever end up in the same place. <laughs> I love that. And if you could choose to elope anywhere now, where would you choose? So we had our 10... 10 year together, five years married, vow renewal last year uh, into, in 2021. Goodness, it's 2023. Um, and uh, we did it in Scotland. So we went to um, 
the the store. We went to um, then we stayed at uh, Mingary Castle in Arnhemurken. Is that how you say it? Arnhemurken Peninsula. Um, yeah, I think so. Almost. Yeah, I think so. I my American accent just does <laughs> it. Uh, so Can I also <laughs> say you did a shoot on the store? Um, yeah. How how was the hike? The hike was steep. It is steep. It was it was steep. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it it was it was definitely steep. We got caught in a squall at the very top, <gasps> and so we were like running down in the pouring rain. It was like oh no, uh, type two fun. So it was great later. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So you're like it. you hate it in the moment, but then you looking back, yeah. it was the best. Yeah. Although great. that hike is hard. It's especially yeah. at the end, and if if it's muddy on the path, it makes it worse. Um, out of all of the hikes that I have done in Scotland or elsewhere that is the hike with for me the biggest payoff with regards to the view like you get to the top and that 360 you see all the way down Mm -hmm. to the loch you turn around you can see all of the mountains you've got the store and regardless of the weather as long as you've got visibility like it is you feel like you're in Lord of the Rings yeah and if you go in in the shoulders or the off season there's still going to be people but you're not fighting for a parking space so when we went we weren't fighting for a parking space at all and the top thing that I always I always try to share sort of like not not in famous locations because one of the big things I feel like ruins elopement experiences for my couples are the sheer amounts of people around because it doesn't feel private at that point but we were we were fortunate that we could get away from some of the people when we went to the store and yeah it's those are some of my favorite images from our vow renewal is up there just looking all epic I know I saw I saw some on your website like it's it's I mean that location in general we we didn't want to do the hike so we went for the kurang because like it's 200 200 meters from the car park we're like that's where that's where we're taking the photos but it was so lovely as well like I still had my bouquet because it was just a couple of days after the wedding and there were a few hikers up at sunrise which is when we did it and they were like oh "Oh, congratulations and like shouting over to us and there was some other guy that like took some random snapshots of us on his (laughs) phone and then like sent them to us and I was like yeah thanks oh Oh, I love that yeah oh yeah you you get a lot of congratulations you're like a celebrity in the best way on the day when you have all of your garb on Mm your everyone says congrats everyone says you look beautiful um even if you're not like a big fan of like attention Mm -hmm. it's it's like brief attention and it makes you feel special so it's not like people mobbing you but you still feel really special on the day it also I know we didn't elope and it was just like an after wedding shoot but it was really intimate and it was also so much more relaxed like even with regards to clothing and maybe it's because we'd already had the big day but yeah my dress at the bottom got a little bit muddy and like I was wearing my hiking boots underneath it and like Mm -hmm. my my veil was blowing everywhere and my hair wasn't perfect and yeah it was raining a little bit but you know we didn't really care that much and we were just you know in the moment more yeah, that's how that's how pretty much all the elopement days are with me and my couples and everyone gets their dress dirty. I have people run out into the ocean. They're like, you're oh, going to let it. us run out into the ocean, right? And um, yeah, it's it's really great. That's part of the experience. That dress lives its best life on your elopement day. Yeah, yeah. And I bet those are the moments you get the best photos. Yep, that and movement. It's so good. So you've learned a lot 
obviously over your time eloping in different locations or I say eloping and like photographing <laughs> elopements in different locations with lots of different couples from all over the world you must have a lot of insider tips and tricks about how to navigate elopements would you share some little gems with us yes I'd love to um gosh there's so much too so if you're wanting more I have a free resources page on my website that has like so much so much stuff um so the the biggest couple things let's talk locations and permits and then also um family and friends and loved ones because those are I feel like two of the biggest ones so um locations and permits man find yourself a photographer or a planner who knows what they're doing whether they live near there or they have proven themselves to really be a good virtual researcher I also get there ahead of time and do dry runs I will I will dead ass hike up a mountain and time it the day before amazing that's our route then that's what we're doing um so really really choose a photographer who knows their who knows their goods knows their locations and really work together with them to find out which ones resonate with you which ones have the most released crowds whatnot um also pay attention to permits because a lot of places you know Scotland it's not necessarily so much but like a lot of places in the United States if it's national parks or whatnot yeah. you need permits to have a ceremony there uh you need we don't have like a it's the right of like right to roam. We don't have anything like that in the United States. So you have to get permission to go on a ton of different different pieces of land. Um, sometimes you even need a permit to just have like an engagement session. So oh, wow. if you're if you're if your post wedding session happened in the United States um, in some strict national parks, your photographer would have needed a permit. Um, so it's it's wild. So get you a photographer who knows the permit situations, who knows the locations. Um, so that's big about the locations. Uh, the the other one is family and friends, and that's like that's so hard because we are most all of us are built to want to please our loved ones and our that's our family our friends we want to make people happy we don't want to intentionally hurt anybody and we get so wrapped up in people pleasing that we forget that our wedding day is about us and and what represents us and so my advice consider whether you want to tell your family and, and friends or not um, and if you do, whatever point it is, if, especially if it's before you actually elope, talk to them and, and be empathetic, but also be firm and, and don't leave room for questions. Um, I, I see it so much where people leave room for questions and are kind of like, is this okay? You don't need their permission <laughs> for anything. Um, and, you know, saying things in a firm but kind manner saying hey I totally understand this might be upsetting but what we've chosen for our day really represents us and we're very mm -hmm. excited about it and we hope that you'll be excited for us too and there are a lot of people especially mothers for some reason that say things like well what about me your mom I want to be there I want to I want you to have this wedding uh and you know you can reiterate, I understand that this is upsetting and I, I, I totally understand and I sympathize with that, but 
I wanted to do you the courtesy of, of telling you because I do care about you. Mm. I wanted to do you the courtesy of telling you what, what we have planned. Um, and I'm not asking you to approve of it, but I am asking you to respect our decision. Mm-hmm. And, and going past that, that's, you have set a very clear boundary and going past that and continuing, if someone continues to really push you, that's, that's, that's ignoring your boundary. And that is emotional manipulation, if I'm being quite honest. And that's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other ball game. And that can bring up childhood trauma that can bring up a whole host of things to make you cave. And that's exactly what they want you to do, whether they consciously realize it or not. So staying, staying strong. And that's where the confidence thing comes in, the confidence and the courage to stand up and do what, what you want to do, because it's not, it's not hurting anybody else long-term. Um, yeah. And I, and I say the, the ones that, that mind long-term, the ones that mind don't matter. And the ones that matter ultimately don't mind long-term. They might be bummed for the first little bit, but ultimately they're going to be excited for you. Yeah. I love that. And once people have kind of gotten those big things out of the way and they're there on the day of their elopement you're there with them I know that one of the things most couples worry about is the weather or something going wrong or do you have any big mishap stories or do you have any advice for people worrying about things going wrong on their elopement so I approach this two different ways one is trying to prevent the weather from happening negatively, right? Like trying to prevent any bad weather from happening. And while I wish I could put in uh, a good word with the weather gods, whether it's Poseidon or somebody, (laughs) um, I I always tell people when they inquire like, hey, you want to go here and you're flexible on dates? Here are the dates that have the best weather or the best combination of like most likely decent weather, but also less crowds. Mm -hmm. So I work together with my couples on that to try to pick a date that is optimal for like the weather they're wanting Mm -hmm. um and then secondly if it rains which is the big one um we typically just go with it we might have to take breaks um we might have to like reposition photos to be under trees so it's a little bit less you know less rain on them um but I had a couple who they did two days uh and their their shorter day their half day was the first the first day. And we took a skiff boat in Alaska out to this island and it was pissing down rain. Oh, no. Absolutely monstrous. But we embraced it. They got soaked. We just took breaks underneath umbrellas and wrapped up. We got in the water. And so we like just played around in the water. They were up like holding each other and swimming around. So we half we half optimize your dates for like the best weather but then we also embrace it if something goes wrong um if there's fires which is big in the western united states um the thing about that is you might have a fire that blocks your access to some of the locations and we'll kind of know a few days ahead of time um but that's where having a photographer who knows the area whether they live there or not who's very well versed in the area I can turn on a dime and make a whole other day as long as I know like where you're getting ready and Mm -hmm. and when you're getting ready I can I can make a whole other day on a dime uh so like I'm so well versed with the Oregon coast and the northern California redwoods that are just across the, the state border um I could get there I could get there without a timeline and maximize your day like spending the most time out of the car all the things so 
having a photographer and having resources that um, that allow you to pivot last minute is really good if there's like fires that, you know, close roads or whatnot. Yeah, you're so full of advice. You know, you've been doing this, you've <laughs> made a name for yourself doing this, which I think is incredible. But you've also put in, put all of your wisdom into a book that you have written, Elope Your Life, yeah. A Guide to Living Authentically and Unapologetically, starting with I Do. So what was your motivation <laughs> behind writing it? So... I had sort of the same questions being asked over and over and over again. And I wanted to be able to put those in a book and, and share those and have them all in one place. Uh, and part of that is like my resources page, but I also wanted to be able to share personal stories and to be able to let people know that they're not alone. Mm. So I shared a little bit of my story and why I eloped or wish I eloped. I also share how this this confidence and this independence and stuff that you that you develop and, and really hone when planning an elopement can be used to transform the rest of your life. Uh, and so there's a little bit of like self-help advice at the beginning. Then there's also actionable items in the in the book. I have marriage license info for all 50 states. I have a pricing breakdown of like a traditional wedding compared to like an elopement, including like lodging if we want to go here and and all that stuff. Um, and then I also have testimonials from couples at the end of like their elopement experience and their their struggles their joyous moments. And so it's really kind of a three-pronged attack at inspiring couples to elope if they're even if they're even thinking about it. It's just it's just an amazing thing to go through and I've it's so chock full of information and I still have more information that I would not be surprised if I put down put out a volume 2 that's like almost twice as thick because there's so much info to share that I'm constantly like on all my social media stuff I'm like okay I'm writing that down so I can really elaborate in in a book in the second version of the book yeah amazing and if anyone wants to get their hands on a copy where can they find it so you can find it on Amazon Barnes and Noble on bookshop but you currently can also download it for free the e-version on my website just sign up with your email and you'll get it in your inbox Amazing. Well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about all things elopement today. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you. My pleasure. Seriously, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe, and I'll catch you all next week.